Welcome back, Quest, to another episode of Success Quest. I'm your host, Caleb Baya, and today I'm so excited to introduce to you our special guest for today. She is a speaker, author, and a mental health advocate. Her name is Jessie Bayer. Boom. Hi, how are you guys doing? <laughs> Man, I was so worried for some reason I was going to say it wrong, even though we just barely like... <laughs> you like, just talked about it, and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't remember. No, it's yeah. okay, I don't remember. Like, you said it, so we're good. <laughs> oh, it just makes me laugh. Well, Qu- Questers, I'm so excited to have her on the show because she is going to bring to the plate something that we really haven't talked about before. We, I feel like maybe in the background it's there, but we don't really discuss it like particularly. So I'm really excited about that. But Jesse, can you go ahead and give us a little bit of your background, um, kind of introduce yourself to the Quester community? Yeah, absolutely. So like Caleb said, I am a speaker, author, and mental health advocate, and I really focus on helping people feel valid and heard and appreciated in everything that they're going through and design a life that they're actually excited to wake up to. So I spent a lot of my time living for other people and doing things that would look good for the resume and things like that. And it got to the point where I was like, I don't want to get out of bed. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is not fun. This is not exciting. And so I really started working through the mental health piece of that and the personal development side of that to get to a point where I am doing what I want to do. I am impacting the world in the way that I want to impact the world. And I'm able to make a living doing it. So that whole process is really what I help other people walk through, again, with a focus on mental health and trauma-informed practices and things like that. That's fantastic. And so go ahead and tell me a little bit because I mean, we, we just talked about Questers. She's only 21 years old. She already has like so many things going for her, um, which I was just like at the beginning, of, I was like asking her a question. I was like, are you kidding me? You're 21 years old. Um, but it, it's so cool. And I kind of want to get to know your drive a little bit. Like what is your like, why? What is your ultimate ambition? Mm-hmm. For me, everything that I do in business is something that I wish I had when I was struggling. So the book that I wrote is everything I wish I knew when I was struggling with my mental health. The coaching that I do is all of the things that I practice and all the strategies that I use to get to where I am today. So I know what it's like to struggle. I know what it's like to hate your life. I know what it's like to not want to get up out of bed in the morning. And I don't want anyone else to have to go through the same painful and messy and convoluted process that I did to get to where I am today. So everything, like I said, that I share on social media, blog posts, books, whatever on stage podcasts, everything is all about just providing that information that I wish I had so that other people don't have to, to struggle, honestly, as much as I did. Right. No, that's awesome. I, I really appreciate that too, because I feel like um, kind of everyone wants to reach that goal, but maybe they don't understand the process of how to get there. And I feel like, I mean, that's the majority of us, right? We all want to learn how to take that trail as well as we can. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like at the same time, a lot of people are like, do I try to take that trail to avoid you know, obstacles or failures. No, right. I mean, like that's, that's all part of it. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. you you probably have experienced that so many times in your life. Yeah. I mean, the path is never straight, no matter what strategies you have, no matter who you work with, whether you're working with Tony Robbins or Rachel Hollis or me or whatever, it's not going to be straight. And that's kind of the beauty of it though. But what I find that most people don't really understand is how much they're living according to the definitions of other people. So we're always told to build this life that's successful and fulfilling and defining happiness and things like that. But no one ever asks us what those words mean to us. Everyone has a different definition of success. Everyone has a different definition of peace and family and love and fulfillment and all of these different words. And if you're able to follow those definitions that you have written, not that other people have told you to do, then the struggles are going to be part of the journey and the failures are going to be part of the journey. It's going to be still rewarding moving through that because you're learning and you're growing and you're getting one step closer to where you want to be. On the other hand, if you're just doing it for other people and you're just doing it because it looks good or you want other people to think a certain way of you, then those struggles and roadblocks are going to be a lot bigger and a lot more hazardous. Right. 
Oh my goodness. I, I already have so many things popping in my mind, but I want to make sure we talk about the topic a little bit. I want to make sure the questions know exactly what we're trying to focus on today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's um, healing in more way than one, more yeah. ways than one. And I'm really excited about that because I feel like we don't talk about healing the way we need to be nowadays, or maybe we just brush, brush it to the side. Like, I feel like that's very normal to do um, when you're struggling and when you're facing uh, some sort of trial or trauma, it's easy to just kind of put into the back of your mind and you're Mm -hmm. like, you know what? Like, I don't need to focus about this. I don't need to worry about healing. I'm okay. You know, like I want to be superficially okay. And everyone, I want everyone to look at me like I'm, I'm fine. But in reality, Mm -hmm. they're like kind of suffering in the background a little bit. Um, And I'm excited to talk about, talk to you about that because that's kind of what your book is on. It's interesting that you brought that up about people kind of wanting to just shove it in the back corner because I feel like that stems from both shame and stigma. There's this concept that if you struggle with your mental health, that you are weak, you are a failure, you are unable to function in regular society. When that's nothing anywhere close to the truth. Strength and and mental illness are not opposites of the same spectrum. They're two completely different spectrums. And so a lot of people think that, okay, I can't talk about this because it means I'm weak. It means I'm failing. So that's part of it. That's the shame part. And then the stigma with getting help as well is so real, especially in first responder and military communities. And a lot of that as well stems from the fact that most people think there's only talk therapy. If you want help, you go to talk therapy. And that is the be all and end all to it. So what I did with my book is I wrote about nine different natural and integrative therapies that are just as powerful, just as effective, are backed by research, are backed by testimony, all of these things as talk therapy. And it's really cool because when I've been talking about my book and these therapies to different people, they're all like, I never knew that those existed. I'm like, I know, (laughs) that's the point is that no one knows that these exist. And, And being able to share that information with people so they know that they don't have to go into this very rigid, uncomfortable form of therapy because that's what it is for so many people is is so uncomfortable that they don't even go. So sharing that there's more options and more opportunities is really, really powerful to help people get the help they need too. Yeah. And I hope we can kind of talk a little bit about some of those techniques or maybe some of those basic things so we can give the Quester community a little taste of what you offer people. uh, And so they can Mm -hmm. maybe start implementing some of those things into their lives. Um, But maybe really quick question too, maybe getting a little bit personal with you. Why is it so important to you that why do you care about helping people with their mental health? I mean, like that's you could, you could have just stayed at home and not worried about anybody else and maybe found a job and, and been fine, you know, but why mm-hmm. is it so important for you? Mm-hmm. As many entrepreneurs will say, the reason that they do what they do is because they struggled with it in the past. And that's the same thing for me. When I was in high school, I really struggled with my mental health. I was depressed. I was self-harming. I was suicidal. I was kind of the whole shebang there. And I was in a really codependent relationship with someone else who was also struggling the same manner. Wow. Now that relationship unfortunately ended with his suicide attempt. But that whole process and that time, especially being in such a formative period of my life, really made me care a lot about that. And as I started to heal, I started to see so many other people struggling with the same thing. I'll be talking from from friends back in high school and they'll be like, oh yeah, well, so-and-so is doing a lot better now. They're no longer struggling with this and this person, yada, yada. And I was like, I didn't even know that they were struggling. I didn't know it was such an issue. And like I said, the more I got out into the world and had conversations with people and things like that, Everyone approaches this and interacts with this in some form or another in their life, whether it's someone they know, whether it's themselves and me being through it and being able to sit there and say, Hey, I was there and I'm here and let me hold the lantern for you as you walk that same journey. Even though it's going to be your own journey. It's not mine. It's, it's a different one, but let me be that advocate. Let me be that success story, I guess, for yeah. you. Um, and, and that really motivates me because I know, like I said, what it feels like to struggle like that. And I don't want anyone else to have to go through that. 
No, that's really powerful. And you know what? Another thing is people are probably going to continue to, to suffer through those same things maybe, but the, the difference is with your story, you light a way into the darkness kind of to say, you know, they're on that same exact trail or adventure or whatever in their life. And, and now you kind of come into the, the story, you, you shine a light and you're like, hey, you know, these are the steps I took. And there's mm-hmm. the escape route or there's the way to make this into a positive thing, because that can be something really like that could traumatize you for a long time, you know, and, and you could make that a very, you could almost justify it being very negative in your life and just be like, you know, what, I'm never going to really try to make this into a positive thing. I just accept it. And that's who I am. But you spun that you, you're making this into something bigger than you and you're helping other people, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I- it's so funny that you bring that up because it was that way for so long. I hated that part of myself. I hated that part of my life. And I was doing everything I could to forget it existed. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to acknowledge it. And it's really hard to build a life you like when you're hating part of yourself. So yes. after honestly, like three or four years, I was just thinking about this the other day. This was six years ago, three or four years of hating myself later. I was like, I can't do this. You know, I need to put this together somehow. I need to bring all of myself together because whether those parts were painful or happy, they are a part of me and they've made me who I am today. And when I saw how much just sharing that story and not even necessarily sharing the tips and tricks that I use, but just sharing the fact that it's okay to talk about it, that it's okay to say I need help and I'm struggling. When I saw how impactful that was for people, I was like, oh, I need to do something with this. Like I can take this horrible thing and I can change lives with it. And that in itself is just like the basis of fulfillment for me. Honestly, I feel like that's the basis of most of the successful people I look at in life. You know, they almost seem to be showing off the fact that they've had these failures and they Mm -hmm. talk about it because it's part of what made them successful. You know, like these failures turn it fueled them on the inside to and turn them into what they are today like Dean Graziosi, Tony Robbins and all these mm-hmm. other people we we hear about they obviously they talk about their story all the time because that is what made them who they are and so that's it's powerful to use that as a tool to fuel your success um in the long run and i kind of feel like people don't see how powerful those trials can be in their lives mm-hmm. i feel like in the moment obviously in the heat in the moment you're like this is the worst. I don't want anyone to know this is happening to me. It's kind of embarrassing. I'm scared of what people will think of me maybe, or like, I don't know, especially like when it comes to suicide and depression, um, you don't want, there's kind of a stigma around that in society nowadays where people are like, well, if I'm, de- I can't tell people I'm depressed, you know, cause then they'll mm-hmm. look at me differently or they'll be kind of judging me silently. Like, is he really depressed or are they on medication? And it's like, I don't know if I want medication. I don't know. There's, there's, there's so many things correlated with mental health. Um, But I think I kind of wanted to talk about mental health and what that is, because I feel Mm -hmm. like when people hear mental health, they think mental illness. Mm -hmm. That's not exactly true. Everyone has to deal, regardless of who you are, where you're from, everyone deals with mental health. Stress Mm -hmm. has, is a part of mental health, right? Being depressed because of circumstances, a part of mental health. Anxiety is a part of mental health. Every single person has, can benefit from what you share because all of us are dealing with mental health. It's not necessarily just because of mental illness. So I think it's powerful that everyone pays attention to this type of a message. Do you get what I'm saying there? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so true because you as an individual, no matter what or who you are, like you said, has to keep up their mental health. And it's the same thing as your physical health. You know, you eat well, you go to the gym, keeps up your physical health. You have a, a romantic partner, you go out with your friends, you spend time with your family, that keeps up your social health. But everyone just likes to forget that that other piece of your mind and emotions is there as well. Yeah. So whether it's you, weird. It is. It's like, 
really? You don't feel sad ever? You don't <laughs> worry about anything? Like that doesn't exist for you? Okay. All right. You do you <laughs> Okay. <then>. Dang. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, can I ask you? I'm kidding. I like emotions, but yes, me too. when, when you're in that space, maybe you're the one struggling. Maybe it's someone, you know, that's struggling, but having a positive relationship with your own mental health benefits both you and everyone around you, because then you're that example for them. Exactly. You're that safe space for them. You're that person that they can come to and say, Hey, been a really rough day and they know that they can trust you and that you're not going to be like, you know, get away from me, mental illness. It's not good. <laughs> you're able to receive that and accept that and be a safe space for that person. So I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah. And I guess I'm trying to say that mainly questions because I want you guys to realize like if you're turning this on, you're like, well, I don't have depression, you know, like I don't have like a mental illness. This, this still relates to you. This is still important for you because the techniques she is probably going to be discussing here on the podcast um, that apply to people with mental illness also can apply to you and can be beneficial for you. Um, so let's, I, I guess, let's just kind of dive right into how we heal um, mm-hmm. and, and your experience. What did he, what was like in your mind? You're like, what did healing look like to you? Like, what did mm-hmm. you want it to be? And what did it turn out being? Yeah, what I wanted it to be was nothing like what it turned out to be. But what I wanted <laughs> it to be was this very nice like flow of just releasing the pain and getting better day by day and like waking up one morning and being like I'm totally fine and it does not look like that healing is painful it is messy it is back and forth you're going to make progress you're going to have setbacks it's this giant messy ball of emotions that you just kind of got a hold with you as you go through so my healing journey from a logistical perspective was I went to one day of therapy when I was 17 And I was so uncomfortable. It was traditional talk therapy. I was so uncomfortable that I ran out of the building and never went back. And that is my biggest regret in my healing journey because I do fully believe that it would have been a lot straighter and a lot easier if I had the support of a professional. But there was no way in heck I was going back to talk therapy. That was not happening. No. And so when we talk about healing, that's what I want people to know. It's I wish I knew that the therapies I write about in my book existed when I was struggling. I wish I knew that it counted as therapy to go lay down in a field of, field of horses and make a snow angel. That's what I did at, at equine therapy one day. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I say that to people and they're like, that, that's therapy? I was like, yeah, yeah, it is. You can do that. And, and then people's eyes just light up and they're like, oh my gosh, I can do this. It gives them the confidence and the, the approach to do something that helps them instead of being so terrified to go in the first place. And that's the thing. With talk therapy, it's very well supported. There's so much research surrounding it. There's a lot of empirical backing to it. But if you are too uncomfortable to go in the first place, it is completely useless. Right. And these alternative forms of therapies or integrative forms of therapies, they're more approachable. They're going to get people in the door and they can be an addition to talk therapy. They can be an alternative to talk therapy. But a lot of times the people that aren't willing to go, especially the ones that are hurt by the stigma, like in the military members and, and first responders and things like that, it's easier to get them to go hang out with horses for a day or go on a hike through the woods than to go sit in someone's office in a chair and have their soul, you know, pulled right out of them. Yes. And it's funny because I feel like there are people who need that, but I feel like it's a lot less, especially nowadays. I feel like we need to be more creative about how we can get people to feel therapy working for them. And especially because there's that stigma, like you're just talking about therapy, you're thinking, oh my gosh, I need to go and see a specific person, sit in a chair, and I'm going to be in the hot seat. They're going to ask me lots of questions. They're going to try and figure out what's going on at the core. And you're just like, I don't know if I can handle that. You know, like even the social pressures can be too much, you know, and you don't even have to know them. It's still freaky. Um, so this idea of like, yeah, like what you're doing, I, you said making snow angels with horses, like what? 
Yeah, I know. Like, I see, know. I've never heard of that, but that sounds so fun and it sounds so like randomly relaxing, you know? Or and yeah. I, I love the idea of thinking outside the box when it comes to how you need to heal. But is that something like is that something you need to think creatively about, or is that something you seek out? Like I seek out creative outlets for therapy, or is that something you need to figure out on your own? I think it's something that's different for everyone because the methodology methodologies of these therapies are so different. So some of them are very mind body. Some of them are outdoors. Some of them are working with animals. Some of them are creative artistic expressions. And it's really whatever calls to you as an individual the most. So for me, I love spending time outdoors. I love horses. So I was like, hmm, I'm going to go give this a shot. And, and just to give a little bit of context there, the, the concept of equine assisted therapy is that you're using the horses and the settings as metaphors and symbols for your own life. So as you Ooh. move in that environment and you move the horses around or you interact with the horse in a certain way, you're able to then apply those changes and those, those discussions with those animals in those spaces to your own life. It's kind of the, the brief basis of equine assisted therapy. So for wow. me, that day that I made a snow angel, I was just kind of sitting there chatting with a therapist and I was petting a horse and whatever. And we were just kind of talking about life and asking permission and what home felt like and all these different things, just chatting, not, you know, like hardcore digging into my soul sort of, sort of thing. <laughs> and she was like, well, where, just look around here, where feels most like home to you? And I pointed out into the middle of the field where it was farthest away from the buildings, farthest away from the people. And it was just this untouched expanse of snow. And I was like over there and she's like, well, go ahead. And I was like, wait, I can. She's like, your therapy session, do whatever you want. So I walked out there in the middle of this field and I was going to build a snowman, but the snow wasn't good enough quality. And so I just laid down and made a snow angel. And this horse kind of wandered over and sniffed at me. And it was just so peaceful. I was living in the city at that time. And that was really one of the first times that I felt at peace and just felt like I was home. And that of course unlaunched this torrent of other thoughts and ideas in my head that I then explored later. But just that one simple act of not asking permission or learning not to ask permission, but doing what I needed in that moment to feel at home and feel like I was at peace really changed a lot of my perception around asking permission and things like that. So the point of that story is that some of these alternative methods, they're not the same sort of thing where you're sitting there and you're talking and you're exchanging ideas and there's, you know, DBT and CBT and all these different things. It's just about what does this feel like? What does this represent? What does this symbolize? How does this feel to you? How do you relate to this? And so many of the additions in integrative therapy, such as the horses or nature or things like that, they act as co-therapists. So it's not just you and the therapist, it's you and the therapist and the horses or you and the therapist in nature. And that triad is so powerful for healing as well. Wow. That is, that is a crazy story. Cause I, I, it, it's, and you answered my questions actually. I was going to ask you, how is that therapy? How do you like make it therapy rather than just sitting there making snow angels? Like it, it's not, it's more than that, right? You, you're, you're having a small interaction, but you're also sitting there and reflecting and you're pondering and you're having that moment of like, oh my gosh, this is good for me. You know, I feel like that's the basis of therapy. You need to be in a, a situation where you feel like it's good for you, right? You know, instead of that weird, awkward moment where you're sitting in that couch, like we talked before. Um, and I feel like you kind of alluded already to what the beginning of that process looks like. Like you have to kind of dig in and say, what do I enjoy? It's kind of where you were like, you're like, I love nature. I like being outside. Maybe mm -hmm. that's where therapy needs to be for me, you know, and that's mm -hmm. where you started. And I think that's a, kind of a very powerful concept. You kind of go already back to your roots, your body, your mind already knows what it needs or what it likes. 
And you utilize that, right? And you make that mm-hmm. the foundation of healing yourself. So that's kind mm-hmm. of intriguing. Uh, yeah. Intriguing thoughts to me. Definitely. The ecotherapist that I interviewed for my book, she's amazing. She was from Texas. I don't know why that was important to share, but it was. And we, <laughs> All right, we, Texas. <laughs> I was in Minnesota. She was in Texas. I don't know, context. But we, after our interview, we chatted on the phone a couple times and we just had this discussion about her thoughts on why some of these therapies were so powerful. And her thought process on this is because they take us back to our ancestral roots so much where we're outside and we're moving and we're working with animals and those very kind of base things that are ingrained in our bodies from thousands of years ago. Trauma is the same way. Trauma isn't this forebrain, high-functioning thing that happens. It's very somatic. It's very visceral. It stays in your body. And in order to tap into the healing required for that, you also need to tap into healing methodologies that touch on those deeper parts of you. So she shared that concept of like working with animals, being outside, moving, instead of sitting in a chair indoors in an office, maybe or maybe not with a window. That difference often just unleashes that and allows that somatic and, and deep peace to just flow out of us. Wow, that's very powerful. So let's kind of talk then about what the next steps look like in therapy, I guess, because I just want people at home to be able to realize like, okay, like the beginning part, the beginning phase is looking inward, finding out kind of what I like and what I know works for me, right? Like I'm already thinking to myself, like, man, I enjoy being outside when there's a lot of sun. Right? I mm. love the sun. I love sitting there and just like being engulfed in sunlight. And then it, it kind of makes me feel happy. It kind of brings me to a place where I'm reflective, you know? Um, so that's maybe the beginning for me of what therapy should look like. What, what are those next steps? What's, is this a very long process? It can be. It definitely can be. It depends on how deeply ingrained your trauma is. You know, are you stressed from schoolwork or is this a mental illness? That is totally dependent on what, you know, the trauma or the healing process is going to look like. But once you have that base idea of like, okay, I want to be outside or I like working with animals, then comes the whole wonderful game of trying to find a therapist. And I, (laughs) (laughs) I strongly advocate that everyone works with a therapist because it's a different space. They know how to support you. They know how to keep that boundary up where you're not going to see them at Thursday night family dinner. They are someone separate. They are objective. They are unbiased. And yeah, they care about you as a human, but they're not emotionally and personally invested in your life. So with that relationship and the skill set, I think they're a huge, huge tool in healing. So when you try to find a therapist, there's going to be some times where you click right away with your first one. You meet that person and you're like, she gets me or he gets me and it works. And then other times you're going to try and you're going to try and you're going to try and it's going to take you four or five or six times to find the right person. Yep. Unfortunately, a lot of people, they try one, they maybe try two. And if two doesn't work, then they give up and they're like, therapy isn't for me. I can't do this. This isn't working. So if you start and it doesn't work right away, either change your methodology or change the therapist that you're working with. Some people just aren't right for you. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you're broken. It just means that you need to go back and, and find one again. Once you've found a therapist that's a good fit for you, I really can't say what the therapeutic process is going to look like because that is so individual, both on you and the type of therapy you're doing and how that therapist likes to work and everything like that. But know that you're going to have some really good stretches. You're going to get a lot better and then something is going to happen and you're going to go back 10 steps. But the difference between moving through those 10 steps the first time and moving through them the second time is you've developed coping mechanisms and skills in therapy that are going to make that process a lot easier. 
So yeah, wow. you might get triggered. You might have a flashback, but you've still grown because you've grown your skill set and you've grown your ability to cope with those times. So no shame there. If you have a flashback, just keep moving forward and it's going to be a long process. It might take your whole life, but you are still progressing every single time you have the confidence and the courage to go sit down with that therapist. That is power. That was really good advice, by the way. Um, I also appreciate the fact that you tell people to still seek out therapists because I feel like that, that's an imp- a very important aspect of things. They're professionals. You know, they know what they're doing. They took a lot of schooling to be able to help people like you and be unbiased about that. And, you know, it's a very important aspect, a very important dynamic when it comes to therapy. Um, and this is just like, like, I guess this is kind of the whole thing. What this is just one way to heal, right? You know, and it's an important aspect of healing too, when it comes to trauma. Um, is there anything else you want to add? Maybe what are some other things that we should be looking at when it comes to healing? Yeah, absolutely. One note on the the therapist or not, the sort of thing is that a lot of people are getting to this place in society where there's like mental health coaches and mental health, whatever sort of things. And the problem with those people as well-meaning as they may be, I'm not trying to like dig on anyone's business here, but they might not have the skills to recognize and help you. If you start to dissociate, if you start to spiral, if you start to do any of these other things, if you're triggered, they may not recognize it. And then if you stay dissociated or stay triggered, that can really hurt your healing process. So yeah, there's a stigma around therapy. I'm not going to say there isn't, but it's so important that you have the support of someone who can recognize when you need it as opposed to just the support of a friend or family member. Yeah. They're the next step. They're the next step. Everything Mm -hmm. else is a stepping stone and they're the real level, you know, like really important. Absolutely. And friends and family members and people in advocacy roles like me are so important too. It's, it's all these different pieces of the puzzle, but you just can't take out that one piece of the therapist and hope that it's all going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, So that was my therapist piece. And then the other thing I'd say to you is that with, these different healing methods that I talk about. I talk about things like craniosacral therapy, equine assisted therapy, ecotherapy, flower essence therapy, dance movement therapy, EMDR. EMDR is amazing. If you EMDR, have what heard, does that even mean? Yes. So it's like crazy. <laughs> you guys crazy couldn't see, but her eyes like lit up. It was fantastic. <laughs> so EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And in a very brief description, What the therapist does is they sit in front of you and basically wave their hand back and forth in front of your face. And when they do that at different speeds, it allows you to reprocess and correctly process the trauma memories that you have. Yeah, I see your face too. That's crazy. What the heck? (laughs) It is. I literally, I heard that for the first time and I was like, oh, that's funny. Like that's funny. That's not a therapy. But it's actually one of the most empirically supported integrative trauma therapies out there. And so many people have had success with it. And honestly, not very many people know how it works. Like that has not been studied extensively, but with this bilateral stimulation, it works with both sides of your brain and allows you to, I guess, rhythmically process memories. Because when you have a trauma, for example, your body does not store it correctly. There's an overload of hormones. There's all of these things happening and your body holds on to that instead of allowing it to flow through you and then storing the memory of that. So this process of EMDR allows you to take that stored everything and reprocess it as a correctly stored memory. So when you're looking back on that memory, it's not panicking. It's not terrifying. It's not angry. It's not whatever. It's just, oh yes, that happened to me and there were emotions attached to it. You don't start reliving it. So yeah, EMDR is amazing. I love it. (laughs) 
That's a, that's crazy. Okay, well, questions. I, I wish we had time too to talk about all these different things because, like, I feel like I'm so intrigued already. Um, but the best part about this all is that you've already written a book talking about all yes. these things. So, like, when you're intrigued about this, and questions, I hope you are that you can go check out Jesse and and go check out her book and make that a part of your reading list. Um, especially if you're thinking, man, I want to be more creative about how I find healing in my life, and I feel like. Um, that's probably everybody. (laughs) All of us are dealing with some sort of trauma, either currently or in the past or some sort of trial or obstacle. And these type of techniques are meant to help you overcome traumas, help you overcome current stress, current anxiety, even help aid with depression. I mean, the list could be endless, honestly, and it's going to be so beneficial for your mental health. Um, but I guess, I guess what I wanted to do at the very end here, Jesse, cause I know you have so much knowledge, it blows my <laughs> mind. Um, but I wanted to ask you as kind of like the last question, mm-hmm. um, if you mm-hmm. could speak and I ask everybody this all the time, and I know it's super cliche, but I think it's really cool that everybody gives me okay. like, their answers. But um, anyways, um, if you could talk to everybody in the world at one time and you had a minute mm-hmm. message, what would that message be? Well, my message is shorter than a minute, but I would share, (laughs) I would share my favorite quote with everyone, which is by Charles Bukowski. And it goes, we are here to laugh at the odds and live our lives so well that death will tremble to take us. And I think that if everyone wakes up and lives like that, then there's going to be a lot of really powerful and passionate people out there changing the world. (laughs) Okay. Jeez, man. That's a really good, that was a really good answer. I love that. That was so cool. Well, who was the quote by again? Charles Bukowski. Very cool. My goodness. Well, we're going to have to put that in the show notes because that is fantastic. Um, Questers, I, I tell everybody this all the time when you're listening to the podcast. We have people, such amazing people, come on and share their experiences and their stories and their pains and their successes. Um, and I feel like it's so important to surround yourself with people who motivate you and inspire you to become more wholly successful on your journey to success. Jesse is one of those people. That's why we have her on the podcast. Um, and I feel like it's imperative for you on your journey to success to make her somehow a part of your day. And the best way to do that, honestly, is through social media, through visiting her website, through getting her books and stuff. So I wanted to ask Jesse really quickly, how can we follow you? How can we make you a part of our lives? Yeah, absolutely. So I am on Facebook and Instagram at Jesse Byer International. That's Jesse with an I and Byer with a B-E. And then you can also go read the first three chapters of my book for free right now before it comes out at jessiebyerinternational.com forward slash chapters. So go check that out. And you'll hear more about my personal story and stuff in those chapters as well. That's awesome. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for being here, for being a guest. This has been an incredible discussion. Um, I love stuff like this. I love that you you have so many answers, honestly, and, 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 and you're so young. <laughs> you probably hear that so much, but it really doesn't matter, honestly. All of us have so many experiences. It's what we do with those experiences that matter, and you can do that any age. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you so much for being here on the show. Yay. Thank you for having me. Um, and questions as usual, don't forget that we come up with new episodes every Thursday. Things have been kind of crazy here at Success Quest um, SQHQ, but uh, we will keep you guys updated. So thank you so much for listening and you guys have a successful day. Bye.